welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is No Rewatch Podcast. Listeners will already be familiar with Stephen and I from our love of Zack Snyder's films and our breakdowns of those films through the Snyder Minute podcast. But we come to you today with a bit of history in the making. On January 14th, 2013, news broke of a Star Wars movie that Zack Snyder had pitched Lucasfilm, effectively Seven Samurai, but with Jedi. And a whole lot happened since then, but now, nine years later to the date that we are recording this, that movie has a studio, that movie has a leading actress, and that movie has a title. It is Rebel Moon. Granted, it's not a Star Wars movie now. It is a Netflix original, but I needed to lay that out so that we would truly embrace what has happened and... And as our listeners know, there was no way that Stephen and I were not going to be discussing this movie's development with Rebel Moon by the minute. Yeah, I kind of love slash am am horrified at the natural association that like this movie gets announced. We start getting tweets that are like Rebel Moon by the minute. And this is like a couple hours after it's announced. And I'm like, uh, we... Already made a Twitter account. We already absolutely <laughs> we, staked our claim here. Yes, that was our first move, and and I feel like I'm. I know that wasn't your intention by being excited about it, but the fact <laughs> that like we have a brand is both. It's like I guess that's a good thing, but also maybe maybe it's a sign of like we have a problem. Yeah, if if there are two things that we could talk about to no end, it is Zack Snyder movies and Star Wars. So while this is an unofficial combination. For anyone seeking clarity on this or who may somehow have found this podcast without being familiar with Stephen and my other podcasts, Batman v Superman by the Minute and Justice League by the Minute, and our other discussions on Army of the Dead, all of them at Snyder Minute, we are breaking down Batman v Superman by the Minute, which is how this all began. Obviously, we realized that we needed to cover more as this was coming out. Granted, for Rebel Moon... As was the case with Justice League, we had the opportunity to to discuss these movies before they come out. I guarantee that a minute-by-minute rewatch is definitely tentatively planned at some point in the future. But for right now, Rebel Moon is the movie, ties to Star Wars removed. Yeah, I was going to say, I think everyone should probably consider themselves lucky that the extent of their exposure to the things that you and I talk about when it comes to Star Wars, like everybody else's exposure to that is going to come in the context of a Zack Snyder, formerly Star Wars movie, instead of any of the other conversations we've had about actual Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) For a check-in right now, Stephen, can you tell us what we know about this film as it is happening? Not the the story, which we can break into immediately after, uh, and our own hopes for, for how it has changed or has not changed what we actually know at this point about the production. Yeah, I mean really shockingly little is is like officially like known about this. There's been a few things that are reported that it like Production Weekly for example is a popular place for some of the stuff before movies come out, but they're not always spot on, but I know that there's there's a lot of production happening in California. Yeah, so there's no there's no official budget announced or anything yet. However, it has come out that the movie is getting like $18.5 million in tax credits from the state of California as a part of there's 
85 million dollars in what they refer to as qualified spending that that's below the line uh dollars so what that means for a movie is below the line is basically like any credits that don't go on the poster so it's not like the director and the cast and and all of those kind of big dollar stuff it's it's crew and and contract workers and money actually spent in california yeah exactly it's it's stuff that is being pocketed by people and obviously actors and everybody lives there also but that's that's above the line and that's and that's separate so so that's that's 83 million dollars of qualified spending in california and so it's hard to find, especially with Hollywood math, there's so many, you know, is the accounting even 100% honest? And then are all movies done on the same scale? A lot of the information you find out about productions online, it tends to be like from filmmakers who do like indie movies. So they'll say, oh, this is what below the line costs usually are. And it, it doesn't always translate. So this is a bit of a ballpark, but around two thirds of a movie's budget is usually below the line costs. and so. If there's $83 million and below the line cost, that's, uh, you know, opens up a really interesting consequence of the, uh, of the spending there. So it depends on, you know, does, is the effects house in California, like of Weta, for example, is doing the VFX hypothetically. I don't know who is or isn't, but like, you know, Weta is in, is in New Zealand or, or like, I think Scanline, Scanline has offices in California, but also like in, I think in Canada also. How much of this? With the creative accounting is what kind of technology would go into this that that Netflix or other partners would be investing in for the future that is being put on the books for this project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I don't know exactly what it is, but there is a an educated guess. Yeah, an educated guess is like somewhere in the ballpark of 120 million, like minimum on the budget, you know, potentially being potentially being more. You know, it could go all the way up to like two hundred million dollars, which you know would be in the range of like one of the most expensive Netflix movies ever. But I I don't have any confirmation on that. I did get a sort of unofficial thumbs up on the yes, the two thirds of budget being comprised of below the line costs is is accurate in this context. So you know, for whatever that's worth, I think that that one hundred twenty dollars minimum budget is a pretty good thing. I mean, especially if you look at like Army of the Dead, that had a budget of I think ninety million was what was officially published, and it may have actually been even a little bit less. But I think that's that's a that's a great sign, especially if Zach is doing something Star Warsy or Star Wars inspired. Uh, the other thing that's really of of note there is that if you look at a lot of what he did with Army of the Dead where he it's the first thing he shot on digital and and he used the dream lens i promise i'll talk about that as little as possible <laughs> but he, the the fact that he was the dp on that and 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 switched the digital and used that dream lens was all very much of a sort of trend that he's been following if you if you look at back when he made his short film snow steam iron the entire purpose of that movie was to find a system by which he could create something that looked cinematic with a minimal like skeleton crew and and little technology and and etc and he's been talking more recently about like using this red monstro digital camera and the and the dream lenses is him trying to get ready to shoot his uh his other low budget movie was known as last photograph forever but now it is horse latitudes and when he talks about that one he talks about just basically him and like two people like two crew members and like three or four cast members just going off and, and shooting that and so the idea is obviously coming from like the warner brothers 
system. And now he's at Netflix. His goal is to reduce the overhead as much as possible to free himself up to do whatever he wants. A, making the most of your budget means that you can do more with it, but also the lower your budget is, the less red tape you have. You know, and ironically, especially for this movie, you look at like George Lucas and the reason Lucasfilm exists was because that was George Lucas's way of he he created that so that there would be a studio that could fund stuff like Star Wars that shockingly at the time would never be funded by by a studio. And so this is kind of Zach's way of doing a similar thing where he's saying, OK, if I can find a way to I'll, I'll DP my own movies and serve as a cinematographer, um, I'll. I'll cut down on, you know, film is expensive. I'll use digital, but I'll give it a, a cinematic look still. Shoot it in natural lighting so that we can shoot things faster and on location. And, you know, all these things kind of come together. And so on top of the fact that this also has a way bigger budget, you've got the situation where he's maximizing the cinematic look for a minimum cost and getting more money at the same time. Hopefully <laughs> could result in something really, really cool here. Having said that and talking about him working on on a, on a minimal budget and shooting on location he has been doing a lot of research with led wall technology like the volume like they shoot it got famous because of the mandalorian but i know a lot of uh the batman with matt reeves is shot in in that digital environment and i have heard that netflix may be actually constructing a new like a, a big wall for the sake of this movie i don't know if that's the if case, if someone was going or, to do it, yeah, I mean that. But but if we're looking at the budget and the fact that he's going to want to do that, that's yeah. all. That's all really big, and especially for Snyder, that's a big deal because sometimes it, it looks great, but the 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 technology it looks like Firefly. Exactly. Well, they, they call it stagecraft, which is a, makes sense for like the technology, but also I think is really interesting because a lot of times stuff ends up looking very stagey, yeah, yeah. not even sound stagey, but like like theater stagey because in of the, the way round. that people's in in the in the in yeah. a future yeah i don't mean that disparaging i mean like our scene is taking place in this immediate vicinity but the idea of we are taking place in a much larger world that feels as tangible and and present as the action we're looking at that's not there i think we both agree that that is a um that is a hurdle that we've yet to seen tackled by this technology and of course, if somebody was going to do it, it would be Zack Snyder with the ambition to do it and Netflix saying, we'll spend whatever it takes to do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, Zack Snyder, the man who made 300, who other than George Lucas, like, like George Lucas invented the idea of the extended sets with the blue screen and then the partially constructed set and then kind of finishing that with the Star Wars prequels, which have, you know, their reputation. But then Zack took 300 and he shot that on what was actually a pretty small soundstage for 300 or 300 for $68 million, which is, you know, way lower than most people would, would think it was. And so, and that includes like the scene, the, the infamous speed ramping running scene where it's like, you, you know, they utilize that one wall stage to the other yeah. from one wall to the other. And, and so when we're talking about scenes feeling constrained because of this environment, presented by the like the volume where it's like well the background looks good but you can tell by the way they're standing and walking that they're on a stage all of these things together i think you know i'm really excited to see what he does with the uh with the tech 
But anyway. Oh, I'll, oh so, I should add, on that note, people who are interested to know what has me most excited about this can look for Zack Snyder's press interviews for Army of the Dead, where he is standing, he is utilizing an, a, a video wall to make it seem as if he is on a decimated version of the Las Vegas Strip. And all of the stuff that we are talking about, which is like just depth of field, like the the feel of the scene behind the action, I think is actually all visible in there. Exactly. Well, even stuff like digitally inserting Tignataro into <laughs> right. Army of the Dead after the fact, because he shot all that stuff on on set with natural lighting, thinking, oh, this is awesome. I, I have this look that you can't really replicate on set. And I'll be, you know, it'll give it this really, you know, good look, which it, which it did. But then he runs into the situation where he has to replace an actor and, and do it during COVID. And so now he's having to replicate the natural lighting and location. Tignataro literally like, So Rebel on a could set. run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so, so his kind of, as a cinematographer, I mean, he, his, his first outing as, as the, his own cinematographer was like literally replicating the look of natural light in a sterile environment and the, the and it was really impressive with what he did with uh with um with army of the dead and so i think his his ability to kind of if this is shot i think that there might be some of it is being shot in death valley there was a um speaking of production weekly um said that there's going to be some some filming in death valley and so you know if he's mixing some onset um onset uh, or studio kind of volume shots with uh, actual location shots. You know, the this world can be really big and expansive. And and if you look at kind of the the Star Wars inspiration, the the sky is kind of the limit as far as the look goes. But that's, I mean, really, we don't know the composer. Any right. of the key creative well, figures right now, aside from him, are not locked, even though we might suspect they are. Yeah. Well, I should say the visual effects supervisor is going to be Marcus Termina, and he did Army of the Dead with Zach, which, once again, so he was the guy, not only the one figuring out like the Tignataro stuff, but that meant that he had to digitally replicate the effects of the Dream Lens. And there's a lot of frequent Zack Snyder collaborators like DJ Desjardin and, and Brian Hirota. And I don't know, I believe DJ has said he's not going to be on it, and Brian may or may not be, but he is with Scanline, who was just purchased by Netflix. Um, but I don't know, probably not everybody knows those names, but anyone who is like, people who are like hardcore Zack Snyder fans who were like, oh, Zack Snyder and Clay Enos and Larry Fong and, you know, and uh, any, like anyone that's going to name all of his, his regular collaborators probably knows those names. There's also like like Damon Caro is another interesting one because he has been on he's been the stunt coordinator and second unit director on the majority or every single of his uh, his movies since uh, ever I I think I'm, I'm he even even um, Owls of Gahul they were they were filming stunt viz with uh, dudes dressed up as eagles to to play in the stunts for that so I mean he's been around forever but he's direct Zach is producing Damon's directorial debut. I, that might take him off the table for for being on this. So it also might have a little bit of a mix of Snyder crew than everyone is useful. Maybe a little bit of a mix of his classic people with, you know, he had a few new people on Army of the Dead. So I believe Stephanie Portnoy, who is doing 
the costume design, and so she's been on you know just about everything, including uh, most recently Rebel Moon. But she's a you know longtime collaborator with Snyder, also. Um, so yeah, so definitely going to have some of that same crew back, but not necessarily like the whole gang is going to be here for this. Right. One. And speaking of the whole gang, we've got a massive cast to break down here. So what do we, who, who do we have in store lined up? <laughs> yeah. So, so far the movie has cast Sophia Batella. You need your, you got to start with your lead, I guess would be the yeah. the way that. <laughs> I know we, that's the question, right? Is which of his collaborators are going to be coming back for this film that is, you know, in a galaxy far, far away. That is a good opportunity to. Uh, is it, is it really that far away or is it just kind of far away or is yeah, it far, far, know. far away? Cause Fair it's, enough. Not, it's not far, this far is, away. This is a yeah. perfect segue into the story that will, I guess let's, let's start at the beginning. If people are not familiar, you've probably heard of Seven Samurai in, in film you know, discussions. It's a story that you're familiar with, even if you don't know it, because it has been replicated in one of, if you've seen one of the Magnificent Seven movies, it's been recreated in Clone Wars and most recently in The Mandalorian, basically. Yeah, well, you know how they say there's only, what, seven stories and it's uh, man versus man, man versus nature, seven samurai. Yeah, number number seven is, um, number seven (laughs) is former warrior trains a village of peaceful people to defend themselves from a tyrannical invader. Right. And in the process, spoilers, or or likely spoilers, that is the last hurrah of the people chosen to do so, um, you know, reclaiming their glory, uh, returning to a field they promised they never would. Obviously, the pitch of, I want to make a Star Wars movie that is Seven Samurai, but Jedi Knights who have fallen or who were lost Jedi, a young woman in defense of her small planet or planetoid or moon, which is facing the onslaught of the empire uh must go and seek out these seven figures who have almost become legends convince them all to come back and and make a heroic stand for her people obviously that is bigger than star wars it's a story that would have been translated into the star wars universe for zach to do obviously uh lucasfilm decided not to the plot synopsis, as reported by uh, variety which, which kind of broke the official news of this is that like i've been saying They described the film as a grand fantasy adventure centered around a young woman who was given the responsibility by a peaceful colony on the outskirts of the galaxy to find warriors who can can fend off an impending invasion by the despotic regent Balisarius. As Zach has said, since the idea was was a no-go from Lucasfilm, that did not stop him from thinking about it, and in the ensuing years decided it was a story that he wanted to tell in a in an original galaxy of his own creation which led to him basically building out more and more of the fiction of this universe which is obviously enticing and was part of the announcement that Netflix was rubbing its hands together saying we are looking at this as the launch of a potential new world a fictional universe to to set properties within that will be starting with Rebel Moon well, and you say, and you say it was a no go. It was a go, and he was working on developing it with George Lucas, and then it was uh, yes. a no go after they sold to Disney. Disney was like, "Yeah, no, we're yeah, not doing no, that." We we already have plans for that in the so, Mandalorian. <laughs> I think that's one of the interesting. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things about about the whole thing is that I don't know how far they got or how closely he was working with George Lucas, and that'll be interesting to see if that comes yeah. out like during press and interviews. But it, it was it, it was in development. 
and and then and then Disney actually pulled the plug on it. And also, I I, I can't say too much about this, but I think that it uh, it has been been teased previously that there's concept art for it, and even though the project was scrapped, there is a prominent prominent shot from the uh, the marketing and and in the actual movies in the in the new trilogy of uh, of Disney Star Wars that either if not if it wasn't lifted from concept art that Zach had for uh, the Star Wars similar. version of this movie. It just happens to be pretty similar in, in, in concept. So, um, you know, I guess that can say that there's already some very, you know, if you want to, if you're expecting iconic Star Wars level designs, um, I think that, you know, you can definitely, definitely expect that. Although it's going, I'm very curious to see how he <laughs> de-Star Wars is. enough to, to not, yeah. Yeah, I don't really want a, a I, sh- I shouldn't say I want or don't want, but I, I, I I feel like, and I also feel like Zach would be less interested in this also, but the, like, watching this movie, I doubt he wants it to feel like, oh, if this was Star Wars, that would be a yeah, lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. Um, or clearly the that's... Schmalactic Schmempire. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's a light sword. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very curious to see how he makes it original without feeling like a, like a ripoff, which kind of feels like exactly up his alley in terms of the way he approaches stuff. Now, what we do know is that Sophia Boutel will obviously be playing the, the female lead of this sci-fi epic Yeah, as the, the person chosen or the person who chooses themselves. I guess we don't even know. Well, it's the hero's journey, right? So the person who is yes. foisted upon her and she rejects it, but then she accepts the call to action. Right? <laughs> and she must <laughs> seek out these, these figures to return home uh, a changed person mm-hmm. uh, when all is said and done, which, which if this were to strictly adhere to the number seven, which we know Zack Snyder is fond of, that would mean there would be seven key castings coming at least. Well, plus the villains. Yes. Plus the, the Regent Balisarius. Obviously we don't want to just descend into fan casting. I think my immediate response to this was, does this mean I'm going to get Dave Bautista as a Jedi uh, or, or a, you know, a, a Jedi or Jason similar. <laughs> no, let's, let's get into fan casting. So Dave Bautista, Jason Momoa, uh, yep. Richard Citrone, like, <laughs> okay. I like, yeah. Right. Like, like, uh, I think I want to see Holly Hunter. Okay. Uh, I want to see Amy Adams with like braids. Yeah. Crazy Plocoon braids. Oh no, yes. I want to see Amy Adams like shredded. Like yeah. she's she gets like um Tomb Raider level, you know, of where everyone's going, like, oh my god. And she's like, I know, isn't it crazy? And Dave Batista's like, I had to give get her to give me tips. Yeah. The cool thing is from the premise, it seems like the casting could be wide open, uh, as it typically right. is in a Zack well, Snyder. Yeah, film. and with Zach, I mean, everybody's got their these movies. The, these movies are in development and people have their, their list, you know, they unroll the scroll of like, you know, Ben Affleck, Patrick Wilson, uh, like James, J- Jackie Earl Haley, like all the people that he's, he's known to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I can't, I'm not going to say like, don't expect any of that. Cause Zach has his, his people, um, uh, at the same time, Zach pulls names out of obscurity that you've never heard of that turn out to be your new favorite. Act. Like the reason that list of actors exists as your like go-to Zack Snyder casting is because Zack Snyder 
went and found them and put them in a movie in the first place. I mean, I shouldn't say that about like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and but I mean, well, but I mean, Michael Fassbender was one of the Spartans in Three Hundred, and nobody knew who uh, I didn't know who he was at that point. Certainly, right? No, no. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't known at the time. So I mean, yeah, that's that's what you'll I I would expect a mix of of uh, you know a little bit of a little bit of both, and you know. I think a lot of people want to see like Ray Fisher in this and 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 who knows if that'll if that'll happen or not. I'm sure if Ray were to ask Zach for a role, I'm sure he'd he'd, you know, would get his friend in a movie, but does that mean that, you know, he's got a role, you know, tailor made for him? I don't know. I mean, even yeah. you look at uh you look at like Army of the Dead and when it comes to like, you know, tried and true Zack Snyder casting, really it was his stunt people that showed up on camera more. You know, you've got Samantha yeah. Wynn, who a lot of people wanted it in this, but I know she's working on a couple other projects, like, you know, which good for her. Um, but she's got a couple other projects that might take her off the table or Richard Citrone is, is a, you know, he's got a ton of, of stunt people that have worked with him forever that could probably make the jump to, uh, to, to named character work. So if you had to pick one. Oh, geez. Dream casting. I'm taking my, my Amy Adams and Holly Hunter off the table. I think those are great picks, but I have a very specific, if I could get one thing. Does it have to be a previous collaborator or would it be a new? No, absolutely not. Um, not that I want to, I'm necessarily looking at picking someone new. You saying Batista really hit, hit hard after, especially after seeing Dune. I mean, I mean, anything that he's worked on with, uh, with Villeneuve, but I think maybe Momoa actually, Momoa being back in a, in a Snyder movie that of of this kind of caliber i think yeah. would be would be really cool to see i'm gonna also say jason momoa yes <laughs> on on the condition that he is shaved ooh, and dyed like light red okay you know, like like he'll get his drax casting but but, uh, but i'm not gonna, but not but obviously the character is going to be like, he'll be the guy that doesn't fight. So we need to get your head shaved and your face shaved right. so people will be looking in your okay, eyes. Okay, head too. I was going to say, if he doesn't have a beard, then you got to get rid of his whole head of hair. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hairless Jason Momoa. Wow. And then everybody will go through the short hair Jason Momoa, and that'll be a cultural moment. Yeah. Um, as that's happening, we'll get a, hopefully a shaving scene. If anyone hasn't seen Road to Paloma, please yeah. do that. Oh, like he's a, he's a, he's the, the Ronin. Who is who yes. is the hermit, and he and he's in his beard. When we find him, he's got a long beard and hair, and he and he's like, "Oh no, I'm not going to go with you to do this." And she's like, "But we'll die." And he's like, "It's not my problem." And then she leaves, and he's like, "We get a whole scene." It is it is the Baracus scene from the A Team. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> that is correct. That's good. I want that. Never will a razor touch this man's head. It must be shaved with a knife, right? Or ideally, a sword. Yes. So those are our dream picks. We we could go into I mean we could go into our dream picks of like composer and cinematographer and Yeah, so so well I'll 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 do my my gestures about not liking to predict just simply cuz he's worked with them a lot in the past. Um I I I would be surprised if Junkie XL isn't on this one. Oh, not only because of their collaborations, but I also think that would be a cool new thing for 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 uh tom holkenborg yeah i should i to, say if he wants to rebrand as tom holkenborg i should call him that yes but look at what he did with yeah look at what he did with with justice league he, we've got this four hours of of just it's 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 a it's an opera like the 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 four hours of storytelling music including this this anthem theme that he made yeah but you got george lucas and and ben Burt and joe johnston and and you know all the people that gave it like the visual look but it's uh it's 
John Williams that like defined Star Wars, and so the composer right, for yeah. for the for the Zack Snyder Star Wars, I think is is, is a big deal, and so I'm, I'm really excited to to see who that is, and I hope it's I hope it's Junkie. Has John Williams retired? No, uh, not I don't I don't think so. But I mean, he's got to be close. Tom Tom Holkenborg with oh wow John Williams is a credit. I- what a crazy <laughs> combo too, because they're so different in uh, in like. Tom is so kind of electronic driven. I mean, he can do good symphonic stuff, but John Williams, I always think of, you know, you've got lots of, a lot more strings than, than with Junkie. Just the, just the fact that the premise of this is if you were to do your idea of a Star Wars that didn't have to be Star Wars, that, that size, that's basically what we thought we were going to get from the, the Star Wars spinoffs from, you know, Rogue One. I love Rogue One and, and I think Solo is, is pretty good. But in that way, even more unrestrained in that, in that, in that area where everyone is like, Oh, we're going to finally get that. I mean, literally a seven samurai star Wars story was, was the second we found out that they were going to be doing these non-episodic films. A seven samurai star Wars is one of the first things that came to mind as a, as a pitch for that. The second that there was a report that Zack Snyder, you know, had a, had a pitch for that. I mean, was it, wasn't also like Yoda was going to lead. Yeah. Zack Snyder's Yoda. I till the day they put me in the ground. (laughs) <laughs> I will regret not getting that. Although it probably would have been played by, um, you know, or oh god, Lawrence Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> as Zack Snyder's. Okay, so I want Lawrence Fishburne in Rebel Moon as a three foot tall alien. Yeah, and he and he's and he's he's basically just a three foot tall Perry White, just yep. constantly ridiculing whoever the the lead is. Yep. Okay. So there, you will 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 share shaved Momoa. But I want Lawrence Fishburne. It's crazy. We're gonna be yeah, talking about this movie minute by minute one day, and we're gonna be like, "Remember when you said Lawrence Fishburne?" <laughs> like, it's either gonna be it's either gonna be the longest shot that you nailed, or like, "Wow, I'm glad they didn't do that." Like, <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, I I imagine I would I would also be on board for like an automaton droid like figure voiced by Harry Lennox. I should probably Ooh. also get that in there because Harry Lennox is dope. Yeah, but. You know what? This is a good place to say for people who have listened to the extent of this podcast, this is the kind of thing that you are in store for. Yeah. As we discuss a Zack Snyder project that is not only like massive in scope and dripping in genre, but something that we actually don't know anything about and is totally original in the sci-fi sphere. That, exactly. I was like, did you just have an audio drop? Like, I was like... I- <laughs> I thought that you were like kicking into some sort of music and I was like, wow, that was elaborately planned. Yeah. But I mean, if you like the uh, switching back and forth between like an elaborate dive into examining what the, the, the numbers could imply about the budget followed by a three foot tall Lawrence Fishburne Yoda, you know, that's, I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's, that's how we roll. Yep. I guess there's probably not gonna be any horses in this, but whatever there, whatever the. Hey, hey, <laughs> somebody clip that. We'll stand by. If you want to know more than your friends do about Rebel Moon every step of the way, this is the place to come for it. Yeah. So with that as our mission, and this episode recorded to to seed the account and also give people a nice little uh, appetizer of, of what we know so far. Yeah, I guess we've talked about this for so long, we should we should say that uh, we're not not necessarily going straight into like weekly episodes on this right away or anything. This is kind of mostly going to hold a place, but we will be giving production updates as they happen as well, but as we find them worth talking yeah, about, this is so that you have an opportunity to subscribe so that as we talk about it, you can, you can follow, 
but not necessarily that we're going to be doing, um, you know, 40 minute episodes on uh, each individual casting. Um, unless a- <laughs> unless, we unless do. it is Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> or Jason Momoa. Right, right. Yes. In which case, 40 is conservative. But yeah, on that note, um, yeah, if please, please do subscribe to Rebel Moon by the minute. You will also be able to subscribe uh, to our other podcast at BVS by the minute if you haven't already at Justice League by the minute, uh, JL by the minute, or at Snyder Minute. And you can find everything we do at SnyderMinute.com. And if you want to support the podcast, well, the podcast, if you want to support the podcasts that we are making, uh, you can do so at Patreon.com slash Snyder Minute and also get access to some fun additional content uh, over the, the coming years. But with that, we can call this episode concluded. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about what we're going to do for, like, we don't have any music or anything to drop, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure out our um, our outro. That's no outro. That's no outro. Oh, uh-huh. It's a rebel move. <laughs> 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 <laughs>